You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. For the next hour, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall podcast and show, broadcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Classic Auto Mall is a world-class facility conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia and houses 600 classic cars for sale and over 400 barn finds on display. Check out more at ClassicAutomall.com. Now on to the show with our host, the president of Classic Auto Mall, Stuart Howe. And good morning, Stephen. Good morning, listeners, all three of you out there. And good morning. Yeah. Hey, we got a car show here out there, too. we got a beautiful day for a car show. A Fairlane car show. Today is our 47th show, recording on July the 30th. I've yet to find out the Mega Millions numbers yet. Oh, I have them, and I did, I did not win, which is why I'm here. Do we know where <laughs> so you somebody did win. Somebody you you would have just blown me off. You would have just not showed up. <laughs> what is it? Um, I don't feel so good oh, today. Yeah, I've got I've one. I would have been here shopping. $1.2 billion. Do you know what state it sold to? No. Oh, well, I would. I need more information. I'll Come on. It's posted. Let, let me know this. Thanks to the Pat Travers Band for our intro music. Uh, they have a new album coming out, too. That's right. kind of cool. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, it'll do well. And uh, Illinois. Illinois or Illinois, if Illinois, you, know, if you like to say that from. where you're from, one and one winner, one winner for one, and it's probably more than one point two billion now. It's probably like one point yeah, four or something, one point five. What is that like six bucks after taxes? Yeah, no, I figured I did the math actually a little bit <laughs> yesterday. I, my little spreadsheet yeah. of if I won the lottery, it was just kind of like this. This was my lottery spreadsheet. Right, I did a whole spreadsheet on this business before I had anywhere close to this size of a business. I had a twenty thousand square foot building with like right. seventy cars in it, but I always had the plan if I could have a building this big and do all this. So I, I you know, I believe in planning ahead. Right. So I planned ahead for the lottery and I realized that my our take home would be like six hundred and twelve million dollars after taxes and would just split it down the middle with Kathy and anything she wanted to buy in with me, I'd buy in. Anything I wanted to buy in with her, I'd buy in. Right. But she could go her own way if she needed to. So Well it's benefiting <laughs> senior citizens too, right, isn't it? Or something at schools, they say our schools. schools. Aren't our schools like have gold plated faucets now be because now. of all these things? So Thing. Man, so July historically is one of our slowest months uh, for sales for whatever reason. I mm-hmm. guess people are busy and doing their thing and kids are whatever and whatever. And Oh, you couldn't see me? <laughs> Come on. Um, and so it kind of came in like a lamb and went out roaring like a lion. Right. Man, oh, man, the last week has just been great. And we... And we're, we're prepared for a slow month every once in a while, but the consignments haven't slowed down. We're over a hundred consignments, 107, I think, for the month, uh, 130 last month, 105 the month before that. So we're, you know, close to 350 consignments in three months. Amazing. And then the sales, you know, typically, uh, you know, are going everywhere like we normally do. Did you ask me where did we sell cars to I in the last? I was just about to ask oh, you. Oh, see, I get some yeah. intro music for that, but we do need some. And I have a little, I have a little button that I can like make noises with. It's going to be fanfare with horns so so uh it's actually for two weeks because right. we weren't here last week and i don't know what day it is if you're listening to this uh, i know today today is saturday at mecham in harrisburg 
And yesterday and Thursday were unbelievable how many people. So I was talking to Dave Majors, who was on our podcast, the CEO of Meekum, uh, who was on our podcast about a month ago or two months ago. And he said to me on Thursday, he said, we've got to order more chairs. I go, really? He goes, yeah, because he goes, even though we'll run out, he says, as long as you make an effort and look like you got a lot of chairs, people aren't really that mad at you mm-hmm. if you don't have a place for them to sit. Mm-hmm. So they ordered a thousand chairs for Friday and I was there yesterday and every one of them was full. Wow. I mean, it tells you, A, that the market is really, really strong right now, and B, little old Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, in the middle of nowhere, yep. farm, you know, town, farm USA. town USA, what's what's next? You know, uh, Little Rock? I mean, <laughs> in fact, it's held in the same building as the farm show, yeah. which is a regional wonderland. Yeah, it's, it's the, one of the largest shows, I think, yeah. in, in, uh, of that ilk. Yep. Uh, anyway, anyway, so <clears throat> again, where did we sell cars in the past two weeks? So mm-hmm. so I, the list is a little longer than normal, so I'll try to do my best impression of the FedEx guy. <laughs> uh, we sold to Palmertown, Pennsylvania, Houston, Texas, Maple Glen, Pennsylvania, Chestertown, Maryland, Exton, Pennsylvania, St. Louis, Missouri, White Plains, Maryland, Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, Newtown, Pennsylvania, Cleveland, Ohio, Middletown, Pennsylvania, Greenville, South Carolina, Elverson, Pennsylvania, Orfield, Pennsylvania, Oakdale, Connecticut, Bluebell, Pennsylvania, North Kingstown, Rhode Island, Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, Sewell, New Jersey, Princeton, West Virginia, Tremont, Pennsylvania, Camden, Delaware, Clemington, New Jersey, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Springfield, Virginia, Evergreen Park, Illinois, San Jose, California, Pipersville, Pennsylvania, Rapid City, South Dakota, Texas, Jupiter, Florida, Ridgeway, Pennsylvania, Lidditz, Pennsylvania, Redondo Beach, California, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and dun, 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 Buffalo, New York. Wow. Oh, All over. I got a little bit of a head rush from that. <laughs> <laughs> so That's we, incredible. I mean, and, and it was, it's been a little bit slow. So, I mean, that tells you, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but. Oh, no. But it is. It's true. It's been a little bit slow. I mean, we have a big, you know, monster defeat here. <laughs> it's a, it takes a lot to run this business. Of the local sort of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. region sales, how many of those people actually drive at home rather than trail? I mean, it depends on the car. It, it depends on the car. Later model special interest type cars, yeah. quite a few of them will drive at home. Yeah. Later model Corvette, a 2003 uh-huh. or newer. But, you know, we discourage most people from driving home because, you know, it's not because they're a piece of junk and they right. can't make it. It's because no. it's it's an unknown thing. You get in a car that you're not familiar with the brakes. You're not familiar with the steering. You're not familiar with, you know, how it performs. Does it have bias by tires? What are the date codes on the tires? How old are the tires? Right. When was the last time the car went more than 40 miles? You know, we say this all the time. No different than you put a car on a transporter to California. You expect it to be the same car that when you put it on mm-hmm. is when it take it off. But think about it. That car's running down the highway. It's not mechanically running down the highway, but it's going down the highway, bouncing down the highway for 2,000 some odd miles. Mm-hmm. Things happen. So we discourage, we want people to get the car, get it home, get comfortable with it, get familiar with it, driving around in their neighborhood, in their parking lot, and then then and only then go on a little bit longer jaunt right. and trip and whatever. So it's kind of like me and my Harley. So I've only driven <laughs> it in the parking lot. And that's, you know, I think Kathy will prefer. <laughs> it's when I, I, I blow off steam or frustration or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, you should get comfortable with the car before you just go crazy with it. So um, some of the new inventory we got in, uh, we this one was one that we got in a while back, a 69 Camaro SS Coupe. Uh, it's got the L8996 in it. Uh, it's Lama blue over black. And uh, it's got the Muncie M20 and the Rosewood tilt steering wheel. I love those Rosewood wheels. Yep. Those are so cool. Um, so, you know, it was interesting. This car is one of those cars that uh, we get so many cars in, it's, it's easy to overlook a car. And I just had overlooked it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And I shouldn't have because it's really a neat car and a great body style. 69 Camaro. I mean, that's... 
that's almost uh, as iconic as when you say muscle car that you probably the first thing like when you say antique car you think of a model a right uh when you say 69 camaro or you think muscle car you think the 69 camaro probably fits that ilk although we were talking about the camaro nationals here a couple of weeks ago those those second gen 70 camaro ss 396 four-speed cars were people were talking about that at, at mecham yesterday oh, really? when i was down there yeah we're asking about those cars specifically because you just don't see a lot mm-hmm. of 396 camaros that's just not something that's that's out there for whatever reason and these were these were pretty nice <laughs> and i say that in half in jest but uh but you know it was it was interesting we um uh some of the things <laughs> peter our writer he does a great job mm-hmm. i love reading his stuff on different things especially when he goes off on tangents so what happened in 1969 the year that this car came out uh the beatles last public performance on the roof of apple records which there's a biography of now uh first concord test flight is conducted in france the concord some super what the heck is that uh, sorry, we're easily distracted by things that go past our door during the show. It's a yeah, it's bigger than a forklift. Um, the Boeing seven forty seven jumbo jet makes its debut. You know, I have flown not all over the world, but a lot of places, and a lot of times I've never flown. I never got to fly on a seven forty seven spiral yeah, staircase yeah. up to the bar. And to the bar up there. Me either. I never got to do that. So, and I probably won't now because they're not in commercial right. service anymore. So, um, uh, the first man landed on the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see, uh, what else? Well, so Woodstock. Woodstock. And, uh, yeah, three hundred fifty thousand people. Critic you have on here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't say it was always good stuff. It was just stuff that happened. So, anyway. Um, we got a 1948 Diamond T306 tanker in. How cool is that? Yeah. You know, that's, I love, that's what I love more than anything about what we do here is that we talk to people all the time out at shows and events and about cars and different things. And, and we say, when you're ready, here's the paperwork, fill this out and then just bring it whenever you're ready. So we never know what's going to show up. Right. So it's like a kid in a candy store. Mm-hmm. Every day the guys are like, Hey, did you see what came in today? It's fun. The back room is a fun. Yeah. Place it's the fun place to be. And, and everybody's gathered there, which, you know, sounds like a sucking of payroll when every time I go back there and there's <laughs> hey, 11 break guys. It up. <laughs> yeah. Break it up. There's 11 guys analyzing <laughs> the car. That's right. And of course our job uh, is to find out everything about the car. Are good, bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I know that this is not just happens, this doesn't just happen to us, is that you have a tendency when you look at any car is to immediately try to find the faults. Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking for. What's wrong with it? Why, why, why? This guy says his car's perfect. Well, I'll be the judge of that. It's, it's called the missing tile syndrome. Like you walk into a perfect room, but there's a missing tile. <laughs> right. What do you notice? You notice the, the missing, missing tile. tile. Yeah, absolutely. I'll right. have to remember that. I yep. like that. The missing tile syndrome. Yep. Did they make a movie about that? I, no, it's that? a Dennis Prager thing. <laughs> I like that though. But you know, it's, it, it, it's easy to do that. And, and sometimes, and I found myself doing this when I was at a car show recently is that I stepped back and just looked at cars overall as just the aesthetics and the beauty mm-hmm. of them and the presentation of them. And it was much more enjoyable to look at them that way because I can't even go into a Walmart parking lot and I get out in the suburban <laughs> next to me. He's got a rust hole and I'm like, what's that rust hole doing there? What's, <laughs> you know, it's easy to do that. So anyway, the diamond T tanker, the Cadillac of trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Cadillac of minivans at one time. Did you, you know what that is? 
Uh, I've mentioned this. Ah, the Oldsmobile silhouette. Oh, okay. From from the movie with uh, John Travolta, Get Shorty. Right? Okay. Yeah. So the Cadillac, the Oldsmobile silhouette. Wow. Had that horrible transverse mounted 3.8 yeah. liter six that. But that blew space it. age shape, right? Wasn't <laughs> yeah. It, it was aerodynamic. Yeah. Aerodynamic. I could, as I jokingly say, you know, people. I, there was nothing more embarrassing to tell people that that oh, a Mercury Capri mm. just pulled in. Really. Nothing more embarrassing when you're in the classic car business to tell what do you drive? I have an Oldsmobile silhouette, the Cadillac of minivans, and. But it's very aerodynamic. And what I always said is you can still find the apex of a corner in a minivan. That's right. No, no matter what. You can, you can still enjoy driving it. So the Diamond T is in the Shell livery, uh, Shell gas stations, if uh, those of you who aren't familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a wood floor on it. And Diamond Ts were founded in Chicago in like 1905. And it's really a cool truck. And it's one of those ones that you don't often see. Uh, and it's really, I, you know, the problem selling trucks is you got to have a little more space. Mm-hmm. If a guy's buying a fire truck, you think, you know, why are fire trucks inexpensive? Because they take up the same space as five cars, right. you know, or four cars. And so, you know, you may have the finest fire truck on the planet, but if you don't have enough room for it, or if you think, boy, if I put that in my collection, then where am I going to put my other mm-hmm. 50, 40, 30 cars, yeah. whatever you've got? So uh, it's one of those things that size does matter sometimes <laughs> when it comes to that. So we've got a beautiful 69, another 69, XKE Roadster. You know, talk about a, a difference in cars, a 69 XKE Roadster in primrose yellow versus a 69 Camaro yeah. in, in Le Mans blue. I mean, right. talk about – Two countries are doing two separate things. Two separate things, kind of looking for the same you know achievement. It, it, yeah. so. And, of course, supposedly – Enzo Ferrari, I don't even know if this is true, said that the the Jaguar E-Type was the sexiest car ever built. Some people believe that. I don't know if that's true or not. It's a good-looking car. (laughs) We may have to ask our guest. He may know something about (laughs) that. Uh, When we we come back, we'll uh, certainly check with him on that. We also got another Grand National Buick in uh, with 6,400 original miles. Those are hot right now. They're burning hot. Burn- <laughs> They're a hunk of hunk of burning yeah, hot. Yeah. Are. And a 48 Pontiac Silver Streak, black and silver over gray. It's that torpedo design. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool car. And, uh, and what was the, oh, and the one that we don't have up on our site yet, we got a 2016 Cheetah right. Evolution. And that's the ones that are re, re, remanufacturing, mm-hmm. if you will. I don't know what the like correct term. Continuation. Continuation. And it's kind of still pushing it because it's, it is, it's right. really probably more just a kit car, but it's really cool. Uh, it's got a blueprinted 540 cubic inch V8 and it weighs wow. like 1500 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the power to weight ratio has yeah. got to be. You got to be careful. Yeah. You got to be really careful with that. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's a seamless tube chassis, fiberglass body, the tilt front, front end, uh, gold wing doors. And it's almost to get into it. You got to be, you got to be, you know, very limber yeah. <laughs> to get in and out. When we return, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on again today as usual. When we return, uh, we'll have our guest in the studio with us this morning, Bill Rothermill, who's a Concord judge and an MC at many events and an all-around car guy. And we're going to talk about all kinds of other blather that I like to talk about when we come back. The Classic Auto Mall podcast from Morgantown, Pennsylvania. See you in a minute. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. 
drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. If you love classic cars, you're gonna wanna listen to the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast live from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, the hub of classic car world in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, and with the Fairlane Show with two Cobra Jet 429 side-by-side. With our special guest this morning, Mr. Bill Rothermel. Thank you, Bill, for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you're only over the mountain, you know, in Lancaster, it right? It's a <laughs> 35 minute drive, maybe. There you go. There like you that. go. Yeah. yeah, we, uh, we've, we've met numerous times at events and different things, but uh, I got to give you the little nickel tour around Classic Auto Mall today, and you hadn't been here since we were probably just about first opened, that right? That is correct. When it's we... been some time since I've been here. I'm embarrassed to say <laughs> that's okay. Listen, we, you know. <laughs> We get caught up in our own lives, right? <laughs> it's like there are things that I, I realized that the other day there was something going on. Was it the Simeon or no, no, no? The AACA had a thing on last Sunday, and it was a big deal in a car show that they were having at their new facility down in uh, Hershey. And I completely forgot about it. You know, you just you get so caught up, and and I know that you're on the road where you know we were talking about traveling and all the fun uh, <laughs> parts of that, and you're on the road a lot, right? I mean, you're. This is uh, actually for me the busiest three month stretch that right. I have coming up. Wow, so, um, a lot of stuff going on and a lot of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to the Woodward Avenue Dream Cruise instead oh. of going to Pebble Beach. Oh, I love it. I'm I love do it. That for the first time, and it's a bucket list oh, kind of. Me too. So I'm excited about doing that, and then um, uh, Radnor Concours. The week after that is Detroit. Now mm-hmm. run by Haggerty, owned right. by Haggerty. Uh, the week after that is St. Michael's. Oh, I love that one. That's over in Maryland. It's That's in right. Maryland yeah. on the Eastern Shore. Forgot Very pretty setting. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, oh gosh, I forget everything else. I'm <laughs> Chattanooga. Chattanooga, uh, Eurofest in Greenville, Spartanburg. Oh my God. Um, Hilton Head. Uh, and I'll be emceeing at all those events, oh my God. except for the Dream Cruise. I'm going as a participant right. to hang out with friends who live about a block off. Of Perfect. It. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, be that's a cool. bucket list. And that, yeah. I want to go to the Grand National Roadster Show just because it's just amazing. I'm not a big hot rod guy, but I just want to see it. Uh, did you do, did you have a Sunbeam Tiger just pulled in? Wow. Sorry. I, I'm so easily distracted here. Um, did, what about, did you do the, um, or were involved in the show in Highlands, North Carolina that they just had recently? I was not. No. That looks like a pretty neat show that they put together. Um, I can't really speak to that because I'm not real familiar right. with it, but I think it's, it's, uh, the uh, outgrowth of Pinehurst. Yeah. Yes. And Pinehurst was five years and I emceed that for five sure. years. And, uh, then it went on to. Right. The great. <laughs> what do you call whatever that? Whatever in the sky. Grave, I don't know. Car graveyard uh, event. Well, hopefully I had nothing to do with the fact that it is no longer. Well, if your touch was that unmidas, then I think there would be other events that wouldn't be around either. So I, lo- I look at my resume sometimes and I kind of <laughs> laugh at how many of the events are no longer. <laughs> right. And fortunately, I have nothing to do with that. At least I think I don't. So. Well, that only reminds me of every time I run into Dave Kenny, he is jokingly tells how many b- different business cards I've given him over the years. 
years. And so finally, now as of late, I've only he, he the same one has worked for him. So um, Chattanooga, we were just talking about a little while ago before we came on the air that uh, that is an amazing event. They have done a great job. It is, and especially from uh, my perspective as an MC. Uh, the stage is rather intimidating. I mean, I've mm-hmm. never been on a rock concert <laughs> stage before. And because they have concerts in the evening on Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday evenings, uh, the, the, the kind of the nucleus of the show operates from that stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm there from eight in the morning till four in the afternoon. Really sitting across the table from some pretty interesting people. Right. I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to interview Brian Redman and David Hobbs and Lynn St. James and my all-time favorite, Linda Vaughn. Oh, yeah. She's great. I mean, I had such a crush on her as a <laughs> oh, kid. We I all felt did. like such a dork when I met her <laughs> because uh, she's a very – Let's just say friendly person. Yes, she'll hug She's you. A big flirt. <laughs> and I went up to her and I said, Miss Vaughn, I'm so excited to meet you. I've, I had a crush on you as a, as a prepubescent <laughs> teenager. And I said, now here I am meeting you in person. Can I have a picture with you? Uh, and she was just like, Oh, darling, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then she big has her arm around me and gives you a big hug. And it just, and I've had the, the pleasure of working with her twice, but it's just a real kind of a thrill for somebody that you remember seeing as mm-hmm. a kid riding around on the back of a 442. Yeah, with a big shifter. With a big shifter sticking out of the back of the car. It's just very uh, surreal to me. Yeah, so, I'm with you. So Chattanooga is a really interesting event and it's a street show, which yeah. defies, um, Every concours on the planet, that is, it has to be on grass. Right. Well, Chattanooga has proved otherwise. I like and, that. And, and I like very, very well done. Oh, absolutely. And I like the fact that they got General Motors to pry their hands off some of the cars in their heritage collection, like the Firebirds and the Cadillac and the, and that you don't hardly see at shows and they should be seen at shows more often. That is correct. And that brings up an interesting point. I can speak to Radner is featuring Cadillac this year. So we'll have the Cyclone. The 59 Cyclone, nice. and we will have the uh, Cadillac 16 concept. That, oh, I uh, love Wayne that Cherry car. Oh. Designed, so that's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. And then the week following in Detroit, um, uh, the Haggerty event, the Detroit Concours, they have a class, a Harley Earl class, and there will be the Wide Job, right. the LeSabre. Uh, and a couple other cars from the GM collection yeah. that will be there. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, they've been under wraps for too long. I mean, they just – you could go – if you. you if you knew somebody, you could get an invitation. And I think – or if you were a group of people, you could go. But it was it, – those things should be out on the road all the time because if you watch what happens – you know, we, we all talk about in this hobby about how to get the younger crowd involved in it. And when you saw the reaction that the kids had to those cars at Chattanooga – I mean, especially the ones that look like an airplane, the the Firebirds, or you know, one and two. They were they were just you could tell they were loving those cars much more so than when they would see just about anything else there, and that tells you that that has some meaning to people and a way to maybe draw the younger crowd into the hobby, which we're desperate to do. I could not agree with you more, and I think the American manufacturers have done a lousy job of uh, displaying their history and understanding the importance of their heritage. Mm-hmm. Cadillac, first and foremost. Absolutely. Uh, but interestingly enough, Radwood, which was uh, beginning, of Ju- beginning of June, yeah. <laughs> end of May, beginning of June, in Philadelphia, Subaru was the sponsor. And Subaru had all of their 
weird stuff. <laughs> they have some weird stuff. I mean, stuff. just weird stuff. <laughs> so you had Bratz, right. you know, and you had, uh, what was the car with the, win- XTs, but the, the XTs, car with the window yeah. and the window, the S- oh, yeah, SVX, SVX. And SVX had several SVXs there. And I thought, you know, these kids get that. Yeah. They understand <laughs> the importance of that. Uh, and a show of 80s and 90s cars, mm-hmm. it was completely relevant. Sure. Sure. And I think the rest of the manufacturers need to get on the stick and understand the importance of their heritage. The European right. manufacturers are very good at it. Absolutely. BMW, mm-hmm. Mercedes, uh, Jaguar, they get it. Mm-hmm. But here in the States, they've done a pathetic job, yeah. in my humble opinion. And you know what's interesting about that? The commercial, one of the all-time favorite commercials happened about a year ago, was the Impala in the barn, where the father had the unrestored car and the daughter got it restored from him, and the father's driving it. And, I mean, if that didn't wake, open their eyes to say, right. look at how this resonates with 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 our audience out there. Well, the other thing we were just talking about is there's no names of cars anymore. <laughs> the XGPDV whatever. Right. There's no Bonneville. There's no, you know, Cougar. There's no, although they did bring the Maverick name back in a pickup truck. In a pickup truck. Right. <laughs> which, and the Bronco. Is, and the Bronco, which is, has become a whole. But there you thing. go. They played on their heritage by doing that. And they did really, really well with playing on their heritage. Especially with the Bronco. Oh my God. Yeah. They're talking about making it a whole sub brand like they've done with Ram on the, on the Dodge trucks <laughs> and all that to make the Bronco. And, and look at the Broncos. You see them at auction and they're bringing, you know, more money than, I mean, they're very surprising it's how crazy, well they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So many things in this hobby are crazy though. You know, it's just, but you know, one of the things that, uh, I like to ask everybody is back in the day, did you ever flip over the top of a breather on a four barrel carb and really punch it? Cause that's the coolest sound you've ever heard in your entire life. <laughs> that was, I used to do that to my mom's car and she couldn't understand it when she'd get on the, into the passing lane on the interstate and she would hit it and it would go boom. <laughs> that's <laughs> the, pretty cool. The good old days. Wasn't it? I don't think my dad ever owned a car with a four. <laughs> my mom had a Buick 1974 Buick LeSabre 455 and I didn't know this until lately uh that you could get a stage 1 455 in the LeSabre back in the day and it was a four-door hardtop too so it had the you know and if those of you don't know what a hardtop is it means there's no pillars between the front and rear windows and uh it was a cool car it was uh I I I I had some fun times driving that car. I'll say that. My dad had a 74 Caprice. No. Two door. So it had that huge fat wide B pillar (laughs) in the back window that didn't go down. Right. And it was a 402 barrel. (laughs) And it it made – and did not make that (laughs) sound. It made more like a (laughs) – yeah, <laughs> sound when you stepped on yeah. it. was all air. And that nothing single else. exhaust, yes, just, yes. just gasping Str- for air, <laughs> struggling to breathe. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was so funny to think the cars that you know you grew up with and that you saw and that were cool. I mean, I know in my neighborhood, the guy, you know, the guy that had the best looking girl. Her name was Swan, by the way. So you know that tells you something. Uh, he had a seventy two four four two triple black Cutlass, and. I could hear that car from on a Friday night. I'd hear them coming down the street and I knew who it was. And I'd be peeking out that upstairs window thinking one day, you know, <laughs> you know how that is. And I mean, that's the car I lusted after. And I still love that car. That's still a 72 442 in any ilk or a 72 Cutlass in any ilk for that matter. I, I just love, I just, what, what, what about you? What was your, uh, dream car back? I was a weird kid, kid <laughs> um, because I thought, I, as a kid, I was enamored with either a silver cloud or a silver shadow. Really? Yeah, I think it was because it was unobtainium. Right. Know, at the time, I grew up in a blue collar, small blue collar town. People didn't have money. Right. So, 
you know, the fact that you never saw one, and then when you got to see one, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I remember even my first ride in a Mercedes-Benz. My dad had a guy that uh, called on his company, mm-hmm. and my dad brought the guy home for lunch. My mom made lunch, I remember. And it was during the summertime, so I was off school. And the guy had a 280SL. <laughs> it was blue. It was like a darker blue with right. a parchment interior. And, of course, I'm frothing because <laughs> I'm probably seven, eight, oh, yeah. maybe something like that. I don't know, eight or nine. And uh, the guy took me for a ride. How cool. And we probably did 80 or 90 miles an hour, and I thought we were doing 500, you know I mean? But it was just as cool as could be, and it was my first ride in a Mercedes-Benz. I had never experienced a car like that. Yeah. And uh, it was really, really cool. So – but I, I – I, as a child, I just was fascinated with, with uh, Rolls Royces. Yeah. And my grandmother, who didn't have two nickels to rub together, always made sure – like every other Friday night that she bought me a new Matchbox car. Right. So I had right. a huge collection of Matchbox cars, courtesy of her, amongst other cars. Sure. But courtesy of her, and of course, my favorites were the Cloud and the Shadow. Of course. And then and the Yellow Miura was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. Well, my grandfather, I was an only child of only children. My grandfather would go to FAO Schwartz every Christmas and bring, I would get one cool car thing and then some other cool thing. But I had Matchboxes, but I figured I got into cars for two movies. White Lightning and Gator. <laughs> Burt Reynolds had those cool Ford LTDs with the 429s in them, had the sound of all sound, and they were so cool to me. And I think as much as the Matchbox and the Hot Wheels cars got me into cars, I think that really cemented it for me. And the Rolls Royces, you know, people say that about our place here. They say, you know, we've been to every museum in the world, but we like your place. We like the, re- the realness of the barn finds. That because we didn't grow up with Duesenbergs and Ferraris and like you said Rolls Royces and all that, we grew up with Dodges and Plymouths and pickup trucks. And so, people when they come here, it's it's more of a, a personal identification that they identify with this. So uh, when we return, uh, we'll talk more irreverent things with our guest Bill Rothermel and see what's going on uh, in the car world and uh, Concord world specifically. Talk to you in a minute. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast live from the Classic Auto Mall studios in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, where we have a new casino. 
which Kathy's mad at me. I won't take her there unless she tracks her wins and losses, and she doesn't like that at all. I got another spreadsheet, so she is not happy about that. She says you're taking the fun out of it. So we're visiting with our friend Bill Rothermill, who is a uh, Concord judge and MC to events. I watched you at Greenwich. And you were talking to Judy Stropus, and you had no notes and no prompter. And do you have a photographic memory? Is that <laughs> you do that? I don't. You talk. Oh, I tell people I make it up as I go. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, it sounds well, good. I know Judy, but so that's maybe a bit unfair, right? But, uh, you know, it was talking to her. It was like just sitting there shooting the breeze with a friend of mine, right? So sometimes those those uh, sit downs can be rare, very challenging, right? And can be very difficult. I won't mention a particular individual's <laughs> name, right. but the Greenwich Prior uh, was Haggerty's first uh, Greenwich, and there were some teething issues. Sure. So we were running late. So they said, you need to have a chat with a few people. So they paraded one person after another who was of significance in front oh. of me. And everybody was great. You know, we're just shooting the breeze about whatever. And I will say, and I can, I will mention this, Jay Ward from Pixar yeah. is probably the best and easiest interview I've ever done. He, he's super chatty. He gives you, he, he understands like giving you something to lead you in to the next right. part of the discussion. Just an amazing guy to interview. Plus he's very interesting and has a lot going on in his life. He's a real true car guy. Right. And then the other individual that they sent up to me answered questions with yes and no. Oh, that's tough. And boy, it was <laughs> tough. And very hurriedly moved him on. I said him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Moved him on. And a wonderful guy. But right. He just doesn't like being interviewed. Right. And uh, – so, you know, that can be tough. Yeah. I, but Judy was great. So yeah, thank you for yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah. No, it was But fantastic. I try and make it uh, as, uh, you know, fun and games sure. as possible. But your knowledge about cars, I mean, you have to even give yourself props that you know a lot about cars and a lot of talking points about cars. I know a lot about a little. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, though, because the little leads to, <laughs> you know. Listen, at the end of the day, it's not easy to always to stand up there. And I have an easier time doing this. If I hear myself, like in a, like you said on that rock stage, if I'm like in a stadium environment talking on a microphone, it throws me off. That echo of my voice and not hearing it in real time like I hear it with the, the headphones here kind of throws you off a little. You have to learn to tune that out. It's That's hard. hard to do. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. And I can do this all day long, but that is was – I thought, well, I can do this and I can do that, you know. But uh, it doesn't always transfer uh, like you think it would. You know, we were talking about Concord judging in the break and uh, – uh, you know, you got 10 perfect Duesenbergs. How the heck do you pick the winner? Well, that's a very interesting point because there's two schools of judging. You have the point, a points judging school and whether you follow IC Jag or whether you follow Mark judging or whatever, you know, how the Healy Club does it compared to the Jag Club or whatever. I mean, it's essentially the same. You have a score sheet with points. You go down over the, the score sheet. And the car ends up with a number. Okay. At the bottom of the page, there are typically discretionary points. And we'll come back to that in mm-hmm. a moment. Uh, and the discretionary points, you can give perhaps an extra point for provenance or maybe they have all their books and tools. 
and the other guy doesn't or you know the car speaks to you because it was owned by Stewart mm-hmm. right. you know, I mean and sure. oh, that's important you know I mean it, it's it's uh, well as I say come back to that yeah. then you have uh, you know Congress judging or uh, which is in essence a beauty contest French rules is what it's typically referred to and the judges pick cars based on their evaluation whatever that criteria may be and they make a decision Personally, I am of the opinion, whether it's a points judge or a French judge, both will end up with the same cars in the right position if they are qualified, good judges that understand that. That makes a lot of sense. My argument with points judging is the discretionary number at the bottom of the page because whether that's three, four, five points, you can still make the cars come out the way you want them to. Right. To come out sure. and judging sure. by virtue of fudging those three to five points you right. have at the bottom of the page. And whether anybody tells you they do that or not, they're full of it. <laughs> right. Because they do. Of course they do. Because you have in your head, you know, I don't judge a lot of events. I, let's say judge maybe four or five events right. a year of the, all the events I do. But it's the same kind of thing over and again because whether it's points or whether it's a French judging, you after you judge the car and let's say you're there 10 15 whatever 20 minutes whatever the time allotted is then you have like a huddle with your fellow judges and say okay what do you think well then you go to the second car and then you immediately rank what's one what's two all right so you're already the doing third that car yeah. where you, you know where are you ranking the cars oh, yeah. and at the end of judging a class of 7 to 9 cars you have pretty much in your head where you want the cars to be. Mm-hmm. And so my feeling is, again, whether it's points judging or French judging, the right cars, the cream will rise to the top, as sure, they say. Sure. And you'll pick the right cars. There's something that's going to enable you to differentiate one car versus the other. Sure. So let's say you have 200-point Duesenbergs. Right. One belonged to this person, one right. belonged to that person. One has known history, one's missing two owners of its history. Right. Um, it's a color, it could be the color of the car. It speaks sure. to you because of the way you look at it when you stand back and say, wow, that mm-hmm. car just knocks me mm-hmm. out. Stance and color, we think, are one of the two most important things about no a car. No question about it. You know? So, again, there's a lot of factors mm-hmm. that come into play when you're judging and, and, and doing that. And, so. and what about the – and I have a friend who does this religiously, has a great story about his car. When the judges come up, he gives them his three minutes or five minutes on his car. And it seems to influence the judges in some in, in a favorable way towards his car because he's won – Three or four uh, concours that uh, that you know it's hard to win best in show three times no matter what show you go to right and it shouldn't be probably I mean I don't know what do you think about that I, I think people are are fair uh, I mean in my experience with judging people are very objective they're very fair but there's no question if you have somebody that you are talking to and they do a beautiful presentation on their car they're succinct they know what they're talking about and then you go to the next guy and he says oh, I don't know anything <laughs> it's well, black I mean, it's, you know it's black on. with a four speed <laughs> yeah and i bought or i bought the car right. i just bought the yeah, car 2 weeks ago and i don't know anything about it and i find it interesting that you can spend Twenty five thousand dollars, or two and a half million, or twenty five million, 
And the thing that is consistent is people don't know information about their own car. Right. B and B, um, they don't have good pictures of the car. Yeah, that's amazing. That's the other thing that amazes me. <laughs> so when someone enters their car to they, an event right. and you're supposed to submit photos <laughs> and you get a picture of a, a half-assed picture of a car in a, in a garage that you see the side of the car with the cover halfway off, <laughs> it's like, no, that's not how we're going to make a decision whether or not you're going to get invited. And that starts the judging process right there, really, doesn't it? it? I mean, that's the tone. Yeah. And you know, I hate it's, to say that. But my, yes. my dad was an architect and he got a, a guy said, I want you to design a house, a coal miner from Kentucky. And he got a, an envelope in the mail and there was a Polaroid picture of his TV of the house on Dallas. He said, that's about what we're looking for. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, so, um, one thing about the Greenwich Concord, which was really interesting this year is I picked the winner at actually I'm two in a row. I picked Amelia, uh, Mark Hyman's, uh, uh, can't even remember what Peugeot. And then I picked, uh, Ralph Morano's 48 Chrysler. I mean, 48 Packard. Packard yeah. That was a great car. I was so happy to see that car win. What were your thoughts on that car? Interesting. Uh, the Moranos have spectacular oh, yeah. cars yeah. and they're very, very nice people and very generous in that they always take their cars to a lot of events and share them with people, right. which is really great when you have a terrific collection that it's not sitting in a barn somewhere and no one gets to see it. Absolutely. So they're very good about sharing their cars. I thought that was an interesting choice because the car was really a pre-war car mm -hmm. that was finished post-war. Post-war, right. So, uh, you know, the world is going to change here shortly in that post-war cars are going to start winning best of show. Right. And we'd love to see that because – uh, I mean, I remember a few years back, uh, I was involved with the Elegance at Hershey for the nine years that it ran, and it was near and dear to my heart to this day. Yeah. And we chose, uh, I'm going to say year four or year five, Bob Bear had an Alfa Romeo that was maybe a 40 or 50-year-old restoration. Right, wow. The car was not perfect. Right. But stylistically, it was just out of the ballpark. The car oh. was spectacular. And we chose it as our best in show. That was a little controversial, and wasn't it? It was very controversial, <laughs> but everybody was quick to get on board and say, you made the right decision. Oh, I love that. That was the right car. And that changed, I think, very quickly in the Concord world that the car does not have to be a 100-point perfect car mm -hmm. if there's all the other stars aligned to make that car one that should be recognized sure. by the judges and, and, and accordingly. So I think the Murano's car was kind of a bridging the gap car in a sure. lot of respects. It was a one-off, yeah. had great eyeball. I mean, really there was great. a lot of uh, good things in its favor. And I think, as I say, the world is going to change. We're going to sure. start seeing post-war cars as best in show cars. Not, it doesn't have to be a brass or a classic. Sure, car. sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, it's coming. My Oldsmobile silhouette could be, you know, there. <laughs> It's the Cadillac of minivans. The Cadillac of minivans. So the dustbuster. The dustbuster of minivans right. is more what it is. Um, any? Do you, is it, do you ever get into some serious disagreements uh, with judges and other judges? Is there ever a battle in the backstage? Oh yeah, area? absolutely. There is. I mean, you, and, and I think you know, I try and always be objective when I'm in that room. And let's say you're usually paired with two other people. Obviously, the the idea of there being three is if there's a disagreement, majority rules. Sure. But I have often been in a position, 
and and I'm sitting there with my co-judges. We're deliberating, and I'll say, okay, sell me on why you think that car should be number two instead of number three. Right. Or in my head, it's, you know, I'm thinking this. You tell me why you think that. And I like to come out of that room with everybody not pissed off at yeah. each other. <laughs> I mean, that we have made the, the right decision sure. and that the three of us agree on heard mm-hmm. for one reason or another. And usually it is a case of somebody will acquiesce and say, okay, I get it. I understand your reasoning. And then it's kind of across the board that all three people agree. Sure. And that's important. I I've, think. I've like never had a knockdown dragon. So <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. Right. I was hoping no, for no, that. No so. scoop on that. Sorry. So, well, you know, we, we try around here. We're trying to be breaking news, but you know, it's a week late and actually it could be years late. Actually pretty lame news. So. <laughs> that's not bad. Hey, for me, it was good. So anyway, uh, listen, we got one more segment. You want to stick around and sure. uh, join us for the last segment. Sure. When yeah. we return, we'll uh, continue our conversation with Bill Rothermel from the Classic Auto Mall Studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Stay in a few minutes. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Automobile Podcast on a beautiful, sunshiny day that I'm going to go to Home Depot afterwards because <laughs> it's exciting. And try to stay out of the damn casino. Ah, oh, that place. It's fun, though. It is a lot of fun. Video poker. It's got my number. And and it'll catch you. Yeah, it does. And we've, we've, we've enjoyed it. It's been nice to have something to do close to your house, not have to drive all the way to Lancaster, the Branson of Pennsylvania. You know, I lived in Branson, Missouri for 20 years and I go to Lancaster and it's like, wow, this is kind of like Branson. I mean, there's theaters and there's outlet shopping and Lancaster has like, Three different distinct personalities. You know, it's got like a that that touristy area there. It's got the downtown, which is I hadn't been there thriving. before. Yeah, really thriving. And then it's got the outskirts. And there's some beautiful homes down there. You're in real estate down there. There seems to be some done real, it for thirty five years. Have you really? I mean, I have, I not only have to sell somebody house, I have to sell them on living in Lancaster because right. I do a lot of corporate business. Right, right. So if you're transferred with your company or you're coming in with a company. And part of the job is, and I mean, I've had people say to me, HR people call me up and say, it's your job to sell that person on Lancaster because we want them and there. we want them there yeah. now. Yeah. So I have to be very well versed on why. Why? Yeah. It's a great area. Yeah. It's a fantastic so area. Yeah. yeah. And the thing I like about this part of the world is, is that, you know, you can be 
10 minutes from downtown Philly in a neighborhood and you think you're in Birmingham, Alabama in a, in a tree-lined residential neighborhood. And Lancaster, I've seen some beautiful homes there. Oh yeah. Great houses. So yeah. we and may it's be, still relatively affordable. Yeah. We may be calling you because, you know, we live on the other side of the fence here. We practically might as well just live in the building. I could live in the studio. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be, I mean, there'd Maybe be worse things. Just build something in here. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why, why not? You know, my uh, ex-father-in-law had a theater in Branson and he built an apartment in the back of it because he was like, well, what the hell? I'm doing two shows a day, six days a week. I might as well just be right here, you know. So, uh, but anyway, we'll talk about real estate off on other people's <laughs> time. But, um, when you, you know, we were talking about the same car winning best of show multiple times. We never really got to finish that, that thought, train of thought. Do you agree with it? Should a car, when it wins a best of show at a concourse, should that be it? Or should it be allowed to win everyone for the year? Could it win Pebble? Well, of course a it, it should. Yeah. Right. Because it needs to stand on its own. Right. And if it's a great car and it's entered in multiple events, it, it should be recognized. I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, and that that goes counter to exactly what we're talking about. Right. You pick somebody's car because it. You didn't pick somebody's car because oh, it's won too many times. Right. Therefore, it's not worthy of winning one more time. Right. Well, that's BS. Yeah. Because people if the car is a great car. It's a great car. Right. I mean, I remember a collector coming up to me and saying, uh, "Here we go. Try and make sure I don't." <laughs> Don't say him, her, they, they. The individual said to me, well, you know, I'm tired of such and such winning. Right. And I said, well, that's because they have the great cars. That's why they win. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, there's the other side of that too. It's that the multiple wins from the same guy in different cars. So we see that as well too, because they have the greatest of the greatest. That is correct. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, but so the first Concord that you judge, was that a little nerve wracking? Uh, no, stupid. I didn't, I mean, I, stupid is as stupid does. Right. It was the, the Burn Foundation in 1990. No, that's not true. The first event I did was a Pontiac Oakland Club event in Lancaster at, it was Jones Pontiac at right. the time. Right. And the regional meet was held there and, uh, I was on a team of people that judged GTOs or something, if I recall. I right. think that was my first time. But then, and move, you know, fast forward, I ran into, by chance, the guy who was the head judge at the Byrne Foundation. Right. And um, his name is Jeff Broderick. And Jeff and I had a discussion. I was standing in his office, and he had a picture of a Rolls-Royce and a picture <laughs> of an L29 Cord. And I said, are those yours? <laughs> And he said, yes. And I said, have you ever heard of Pebble Beach or something <laughs> stupid like that? And he goes, yes, both of those cars have been there. And I said, well, I just came back from Pebble Beach. This was 96 or 7, something right. like that. And he said, well, we need young guys like you to judge. Would you be interested in judging at the Byrne Foundation Concours in, in uh, Bethlehem? And I said, mm, not really. And he pursued it, and I said something to my girlfriend, who I'm still with, the same right. person, and she said, you are out of your mind if you don't do this. This is right up your alley. Right up in your wheelhouse. So uh, my first time, and I judged Rolls Royces with three guys that knew what they were doing, and I was kind of an apprentice. Sure. And it just kind of all happened. That's fantastic. And yeah. I look back on it and laugh yeah. now. Yeah. But I, I was very intimidated by – you know, their knowledge and what they, sure. what, but they, I think, taught me what to look for 
uh, which of course developed over time. And that happens on any, I mean, it's the same things, just different cars, right? That right. you look. That is but I mean, you know, I always wonder how do they know if that's the correct gas cap for a 29 Rolls Phantom or is that? There are people that can do that. Yeah. I am not that yeah. person. That's and interesting. And I don't ever claim to be right. that person. <laughs> I mean, I can look at something and I can certainly say it's wrong. Right. I, I'm, that doesn't appear to be correct to right. me. But, um, you know, I'm not a mark judge. If right. you put me down a row of 356 Porsches and, you know, I have to do points judging to make sure that the screws are lined up a certain way, I'm out. I'm not <laughs> interested. I don't want to be part of it. Like NCRS judging, you know, I'm right. not picking on those people, but they know the way that the screw, how the screw's plated, how it's turned, how they know it all. Oh, yeah. And that's their thing and that's great, but that's not me. Um, what about where, – where's Conqueror's World in 10 years from now? Is it still what it is today? Is it different? Is there a ton of, more of them? What is it? I don't think there's going to be a ton more because I think the financial model, anybody that's involved in one knows they don't work, generally right. speaking. Right. So I think uh, unless someone has deep pockets, we're going to see less of them rather than more. I do think the shift has taken place. And it's going to continue to take place and it's going to shake the world because it's not going to necessarily be pre-war cars. Right. The shift is going to be to post-war cars. There are going to be hot rod classes. There's going to be um, truck classes. Right. There are going to be uh, radwood classes, 80s and 90s cars. Uh, those kinds of things, that shift is already on and you're either going to join in or you're not going to join right, in. Right. And some and of the stalwarts. It's going to be a different world yeah. 10 years yeah. from yeah. now. And maybe Pebble isn't Pebble 10 years from now. I mean, who knows, right? Pebble Beach has, you know, incrementally made changes. Yeah. Keep in mind, they've had hot rod classes. No, that's true. They've had a Tucker class. Yeah. They've had Eisenhower, they called it an Eisenhower class, which was, you know, 50s. Right. Uh, you know, uh, kitsch cars. Yeah. Didn't they have a post-war Ferrari win as best of show a few years back? Wasn't it? Uh, was that? Yeah, there? I guess yeah. I think yeah. you're right. They did, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, Pebble's going to be the, the, the holdout probably. Sure. But everybody else, because of the economic model, is going to make that shift. And, and is, and that shift is on. And what about, uh, Classic Car Club of America? I know that their, their Packard 120s are going to be inducted here. Well, they're talking about it. <laughs> any time I, now. I think the Classic Car Club has a different way to fix their situation. Right. Personally. And I almost got asked to leave a room when I mentioned this. <laughs> I, I, I won't said, ask you, you know, The first and foremost thing, and this can be said to whether it's the CCCA or the AACA or whatever club it is, the word club is exclusionary by nature. Exactly. Number one problem. Mm -hmm. Kids are not joiners. They don't want to be part of a club. So they go to Cars and Coffee on Sunday because there's no – uh, entrance fee required. There's no requirement of you have to go to a certain number of meetings in order to be a part. Those kids are there and go to a Cars and Coffee in Lancaster, for example, sure. and they get 1,500 cars on a mm. in Lancaster. And I mean, they don't have to sit. a huge population, right? right? So you get 1,500 cars. They go play cars and hang out with their buddies on Sunday morning from 8 o'clock till 11 o'clock. They are free to do whatever the rest of the day is. Lots of people, mm. lots of kids – and they're there. My argument is, whether it's AACA, CCCA, a Mark Club, whatever, right. get your ass out of bed on sa Sunday, Sunday morning, morning and drive your 1929 Duesenberg 
to that event. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, you will be the hit of the show. Absolutely. Better yet, show up in a, you know, a, an 08 Cadillac or what, you sure. know, or a, on a brass Model T. They will flock to yeah. your car. Absolutely. People, kids want to know that they mm-hmm. want to experience that. Yeah. And that's the best thing that the clubs can do mm-hmm. is to get themselves out there and involve themselves with younger people. I was also of the generation of don't touch my car. Right. That's different. That's changed. That has changed dramatically. And I, I, I have wonderful photographs of John Scheibels with his, it was a bazillion dollar Asada Fraschini. Right. At the Elegance. And he was part of the Haggerty Youth Judging. Right. And he, there's a picture with like, 10 or 11 kids sitting in and on his car. <laughs> that wouldn't happen with many people, and, right? No, it yeah. wouldn't. And, you know, you had an owner there who was willing to engage, who wasn't worried about these kids touching something in his car, and they all now have an experience to tell their buddies about. Absolutely. And and, and these are guys and girls. I mean, right. boys and girls. So I think that is another thing that we need to get away from is the don't touch my car uh, yeah. syndrome. It's it's tricky, and it's tricky for us here. We were talking about that sure off air because well, – you have a bigger – Different situation. A little bit different right. situation. We try our best to try to, you know, not uh, uh, go crazy and let if people want to see a car. We were glad to present it to them and show them to them and all that. But I get that. You know, kids want to be able to experience the car, and the best way to experience the car is to sit in. How many kids' pictures do you see smiling faces sitting in a Lamborghini Countach or a, you know, they a, love it. They love it. They're so excited. Absolutely. But the other thing that the AACA has has it, with the problem is that think about wh- who calls cars antique cars anymore. Well, that's a dirty uh, yeah, word. Yeah. Museum is a dirty word. Exactly. Because that, that says boring, static, old, old, dusty, right, poorly exactly. lit. And so you have to change, use the word collection or yeah. you have to use the word assemblage or, or collector, or special uh, yeah, interest. Exactly. To try and define what it is. There was a museum or there's still a museum probably at the Grove Park Inn over in Asheville. Uh-huh. And it's a dusty old room that can't even see the cars are. They're all black. And you need to engage your visitors. Yeah. And they're not is, doing and it. And they're not doing that. You walk in a room and you see a bunch of cars. Well, that was, they said, the problem with the Hera collection. It was cool. There was 1,400 cars, but there was also 60 Model T Fords in black. You know, how many of those do you need to see to tell the story of the automobile? So, um, you know, it's one of those things I think that uh, we all do our best to try to keep the kids involved. And that's the most important thing, I think, that we can do for the hobby. Absolutely, 100%. And I think we just all need to understand they need to be involved. They need to be engaged. They need to feel like... Like they're a part, and we need to do it on their terms rather than they being part of our terms. Absolutely. 100% in agreement. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it. We could do this for probably three more hours. And, well, uh, I'm not doing anything for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Home Depot. You want to go? <laughs> uh, anyway, Bill Rothermill, our guest today on the Classic Automobile Podcast. We certainly appreciate him being on here. Appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, heads, you know, thanks to the guys and the crew, Steve and Ethan. Appreciate your help this week. Seems like we've been gone for a month, but uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with a new guest. Uh, otherwise, it'll be another repeat (laughs) anyway take care everybody talk to you soon bye-bye we appreciate your listening to our show today and don't forget when you're in southeastern pennsylvania come visit us in person we're open monday tuesday thursday and friday from 9 a.m to 5 p.m wednesday is our late day and we're here from 9 a.m to 8 p.m saturdays we're open from 9 a.m to noon and we are closed on sundays you can reach us by telephone at 888-227-0914 or via email at info at classicautomall.com. To reach the show, email us at podcast at classicautomall.com. 
The Classic Automall Podcast is produced by Car Smarts Media. Theme song by the Pat Travers Band. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.